0: Hello, investors. This is Danny with Investorly. At the intersection of education and opportunity, we empower you to invest early. In episode 15, we welcome Prob Cause, a musician and NFT artist. We learn about his beginnings in the music industry, his discovery of NFTs, and how NFTs have changed his outlook on the art and music industries. To stay informed of upcoming episodes and receive our insightful weekly newsletter, subscribe at investorly.substack.com. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Why don't we just start with your, a little bit of,
1: of who you are right before we dive into, I guess, the different areas and, and, and so forth, just to set the scene, who is Brob uh, where does that come from and, and start from the beginnings? Because at Investorly, we're really passionate about empowering others and hearing people that have either made it or are making its story so that others can understand where to start.
2: Yeah. Um, so I am a musician first and foremost, always, uh. Always done both. Always done music and uh, visual art. But for the last decade, I would say my main career has been touring the country and playing shows. Um, The last few years, that's ramped up quite a bit. And I'm playing bigger shows and playing more of them. And when the pandemic hit, so I I make hip hop music. I kind of dabble in uh, like the funk and more than dabble probably in the electronic scene. So I'm kind of like involved in all these different communities. But uh, in the last couple years, obviously COVID hit, the pandemic happened, everything slowed down, it was shut down. And, what, um, and so I started to kind of revisit my visual art. So I just had a lot more time and got really interested in uh, the crypto space, which I'd already kind of been involved with uh, peripherally. But just had more time to research it and navigate space a bit more. During that time, the NFT space was just kind of like starting to pop off. Um, And so I got really interested and became a part of that community and started engaging with it, started working on my own collections and research. And um, now I have a couple collections, one of them being Lucy's, the other one being Scully's, which is kind of like my main project right now. That has become kind of the main thing in my life. I kind of infuse every part of my career. The past decade into it, I do some music stuff, I do some animation stuff, I do some uh, like illustration um, and painting and kind of just like put it all into this one world and into this one community, like all encompassing community, I guess you could say.
0: Rob cause, that's really interesting. You know, I, I wanna I wanna talk we obviously want to talk more about NFTs and how your career has uh pivoted over to, to NFTs and, and the creative space in uh in NFTs. But first I wanna ask you you're you're from Chicago, is that right? Yep. I I live here and uh I'm here right now actually. <laughs> oh nice, shytown Town, I love it. Uh, yeah. so uh can you can you explain or expand on, on some musicians? or lyricists, lyricist or or artists that inspired you that's from chicago uh that inspired you in your very early in your music career yeah definitely i mean i grew up on hip-hop for the most part so uh
2: i grew up listening to twista who's probably the person that people are most familiar with and uh, common of course kanye um, but then like crucial conflict a lot of underground chicago hip-hop stuff there's this label called all natural that i used to be really into uh, more like conscious hip hop stuff. And then, of course, like the people of my more my generation, um, like the Vic Mensas and the Chance the Rappers and people like that who I've collaborated with. So really, there's like a crazy long history of Chicago hip hop. And I've been inspired by it since the beginning stages of
0: it. Very interesting. And I wanted to ask uh, in some of the some of the underground scene, um, how exactly did you get your start and who was maybe a mentor that helped you uh, maybe going to some underground shows or start performing or maybe giving you some minutes on stage or something?
2: This dude that probably not too many people have heard of, this guy named Longshot, uh, was one of the first artists that kind of like brought me under his wing and showed me how to like you know, hustle to get shows and hustle to get opening spots on shows and just kind of just taught me about the, like the grit and the grind of the whole thing. Um, so he, I, I actually attribute a lot of my success in the music industry to this guy, Longshot. His name's Chad Heslop. Now he works with, with kids, still does a lot of music stuff, but he was just kind of like the type of gritty underground rapper that you think about when you think of Chicago. He was just like always down to perform would rap in front of anybody just loved love the shit with a passion um so i learned a lot from him just in terms of music but also just my approach to everything like just maintaining kind of like a humble attitude it doesn't matter if there's 10,000 people at the show or 10 people at the show just kind of always approaching it the same
1: so i i gotta ask this because i should have started off with this twofold one where does the origin of your name prov come from and what's the meaning kind of behind it and then, after we get that answer, secondly, can we also talk about you know, you made a song uh, with Snoop Dogg and talk about how that went?
2: Yeah. So, Prob Cause, it came, you know, so I grew up on all just like hip hop culture in general, not just music. So, I was really into graffiti. That's kind of actually how I got started making visual art was with spray paint can. And so, I used to write Prob, Prob Cause. That was kind of like my graffiti name that I then took and turned it into my moniker for the stage and then just kind of turned into like almost like a brand i guess you could say at this point so i hope that answers that question and then there's also a lot of Rob cause like probable cause um it's obviously where where it starts from with the snoop dog song yeah i mean absolutely crazy we have in this uh artist grizz who i work a lot with these days uh had this song called my friends and i and it became kind of like a hit within the electronic music community um and so when we made the follow-up to that we were like who's like the ultimate friend who you would like want to come to the party to have on the song as a feature and his name came up um they share the same management it was all fam it all worked out he liked the song put a verse on it and uh yeah now now we got my friends and i part two
1: with snoop Dogg. (laughs) it's amazing it's great i was listening to some of the music earlier at the gym and so, I'm um, nice. Talk about investing in your career and the transition that you've made over the pandemic and COVID period uh, to really dial in and dive into what you're doing with uh, the Scolies and NFTs. And what was the thought behind it? How does that all happen? And in, in, in really, I want to get into that uh, aspect of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so,
2: you know, to be honest, up until a few years ago, I was pretty like, I didn't know a ton about investing. I didn't know a ton about uh, cryptocurrencies. It was really a lot. It was really foreign to me. Like the cool thing is that with NFTs, art is at the forefront of it. So it was like, okay, I understand that. You know, like I understand the visual representation of things and I have a good, like, you know, I, I know what I like and a lot of people tend to like what I like visually aesthetic wise. So I feel like I can understand that. And it's less of a numbers game. So like that was kind of my access into all these other things because like now I'm really interested in in DeFi. I'm really interested in Dows. Um I look at the markets in a different way. And like it was kind of my gateway drug into investing to a certain degree and understanding how to make my money work for me in a different way. So now, you know, I'm I'm staking different tokens, I'm yield farming, like I'm doing all these different things that I didn't really understand at all a couple of years ago. Um, so I think that's one of the coolest parts about this whole NFT experience is like it combines to me. It combines you know visual aesthetics with the stock market, with like community, um, and all these things are integrated into one. And and of course like at the at the center of all that is decentralization. Um, so I think like those things coming together is really fascinating and makes it all a little bit more accessible to a wider variety of people. Um, so, like, I guess that's my experience. And and I've always been a collector in terms of, like, basketball cards, uh, sneakers, like, toys, action figures, all types of different things. So, like, it just made a lot of sense to me. Like, I understand the desire and urge to collect things. And I also understand the desire to support an artist and collect art from somebody that you admire or you love. Um, so when all those things combine, when I when I decided to do the Scully's thing, I was like, I want to create a cool economy, you know, its own ec- economy and its own ecosystem where all those things can come together. So like tonight we had Scully's bingo, you know what I'm saying? Like we do community things together, and like you know, twenty or thirty of us will get down and just like chop it up and talk. And I have a really close relationship with all my collectors and fans and supporters. And then I also have, you know the scullies, which are a financial investment in me, but also I've watched my collectors and supporters flip a scully for six times their initial investment and make, you know, three, four, five, six thousand $6,000. So it's like both things can coexist together. And I like that my supporters are being rewarded for their support of me in a in a multitude of ways, but also that I get to create my art still and have this cool dynamic relationship with them.
0: So that's really interesting prob cause we uh we appreciate that uh so the next question i have for you is um you know cryptocurrencies their inherent nature is a disruptor you know they disrupt uh, financial systems a lot of a lot of um existing infrastructure and when it comes to nfts it's a disruptor um for the creative and art space to you what exactly uh has it done for you as an artist with nfts And do you think it's like uh, enhanced your independence? Uh, I'm asking this, uh, you know, for in case somebody's uh, listening right now and maybe they're an an artist or something like that. And maybe they don't really know too much about NFTs. And what are kind of the benefits as far as like the disruptor side of it and maybe the independence you've gained as an artist uh, with NFTs?
2: Yeah, I mean, it it has really changed my entire life (laughs) to be 100 percent with you. Um, in terms of before this, I was taking commissions to make drawings for like nothing. I was doing posters for concerts that I didn't care about. I was just grinding to try to make ends meet, you know, with my art any way I could. Um, I didn't have a lot of choice in terms of what I was making, and I didn't have any time to create the art that I wanted to make for myself, you know, which ultimately, ends up being the best art when, when an artist freedom to make what's really in their heart, you know? So the first thing it allowed me to do is have the financial freedom to say no to things that I wasn't interested in and to just pursue the artistic endeavors or community endeavors that I was really genuinely interested in. So that's like step one. Step two, you know, I have not, I have not put out my music NFTs yet and I'm trying to like really do something special with them. Um. So I've been working for a long time on them. But what I will say is the amount that uh, musicians get paid for streaming by streaming platforms and, and these different um, DSPs like like Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, and whatnot is, I mean, it is insulting. <laughs> you get paid so little for thousands and thousands of streams. And I think it's done a couple things. One, the uh, musicians who are finding success in putting out music NFTs, are seeing that there's another avenue. They don't need to go through these um, these other people in order to generate revenue. They can cut out the middleman. They can go directly to their consumers or supporters and sell to them, and no one's taking a cut. You know, so the peer to peer nature of it is just monumental when you, when you think about that and taking these different streaming services out of the uh, out of taking a cut from you. I think those are two of the main things. I think what we're going to see is because of that these streaming platforms are going to either be forced to uh, adapt and pay artists more, or you're going to see a mass exodus of artists leaving these streaming platforms because they realize that there's other ways to get it. The last thing I'll say is, um, and I run a, I do like a podcast on Thursdays um, called the good morning show where we talk about music every Thursday. Um, and the thing that we talked about last weekend or last week was that for a long time, there's only been three avenues for musicians to make money you either tour and play shows you sell cds or then uh, you know stream now or you i mean those are really the two main ones or you sell merch uh, like on an online store and now we have a new way of generating a substantial amount of revenue because now you have access to you know right now it's only a hundred thousand or so but like when coinbase nft marketplace launches and all these different people start adopting nfts you're going to see a huge influx of new consumers who you can just sell directly to. And it's just another streaming revenue. And like, if you talk to any successful person, uh, they'll usually tell you to,
1: you know, streaming revenues as you can. I like it. There's, there's a lot that you've talked about and I like the way that you sort of break it down uh, for, for the listeners and any, anyone here. What I'm curious about, and I want to dive a little deeper into the music part, because I know from an investorly standpoint, We're very bullish on 2022 being a massive year, breakthrough year for music and NFTs, as you suggested. So it's exciting. There's a lot being done. And I I know you've said you're working on this. Are you planning to put your music on some of the platforms that we're hearing about, like, for example, Royal or other platforms that may be coming out? Is that what you're talking about now? Or is there other platforms you already know about that maybe we haven't shared that you're looking at? So
2: yes, I'm all about Royal. Um, I'm definitely going to do some stuff with them, 100% in my plans. What I'm interested in doing to bring it back to Prop Cause and Scully's is while I'm interested in working with other platforms like that, I think that there's an opportunity to not rely on anybody but myself. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a way to direct with fans through music NFTs where they can have ownership, where they can get royalties off of a song, uh, where they can gain some of the publishing points from a song when it gets licensed for things, but do that without having to use anybody else because like the middlemen have been taking money out of my pocket since I got in the game. You know what I mean? So a big thing that's important to me is being completely self-sufficient. And creating, I guess you could almost say my own platform. Um, I call it like my own ecosystem, and so that's really what I'm interested in. And I think like once publishing slash royalties can be divvied up in a more streamlined way to the supporters, I think that's really going to be a game changer. And that's why I do like Royal, is because they have figured that out. So I think doing things like that are going to be like huge. For I mean, imagine I was listening to the Royal. Um, Spaces with Nas a couple of weeks ago, and like they were talking about, imagine like if you, you know, some of the artists that you discovered before they blew up had an opportunity to invest in them in a way where you could have had some of their publishing points. I mean, so many of us who are, you know, passionate about music have found artists like that, and then a couple of years later, they're like huge and they're winning Grammys and whatnot. And we're like, damn, I wish I, I tried to tell everybody, but like, imagine if you could get some points on that by being an early supporter of them. So I think that's where some of the magic is going to happen this year. Like you said, 2022 for music NFTs, it's going to be just crazy. Uh, And you're going to see it. It's not just going to be, you know, buying a Nas song or like an established artist song. It's about taking a risk on somebody who you believe in, who's just getting started
1: out in their career and thinking that maybe down the line, they're going to be big. Absolutely. And I want to just go back a second to describe what Royal is, because a lot of our listeners may have no idea what we're talking about. And so to be clear, Royal is a decentralized platform for musicians created by Blau, the very famous uh, electronic DJ, musician, uh, very popular uh, in his own right, separate of the entire blockchain space, but is also very intimately involved in cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And he has started the <clears throat> new uh, decentralized platform, Royal, that is not totally out yet. It will be out later in 2022, and it should be able to showcase musicians and give them a lot more of the profit and the proceeds of their their art their creative endeavors their music and at the same time it is going to allow users of the platform to as you are mentioning prop class to invest in potent, you know in artists that they support and possibly even reap some of the rewards as well of those musicians those artists so it's actually going to benefit everybody the only people that will not be benefiting are the people and the companies and the conglomerates that have been taking advantage of the musicians for a long period of time. So Royal in 2022 as a platform is a super exciting starting point. There's others, but I just want to make sure anybody listening to this that may have no idea what Royal was, they have a better idea. And with that, I want to give it to Danny.
0: Wow, I love it. I I just learned a ton right there. Thanks a lot, Mike. (laughs) Appreciate that. But uh, at Cause, a couple of weeks ago, we, we spoke to Brian Brinkman, and it was interesting to hear uh, his perspective as an NFT artist and animator and illustrator about his, his kind of common theme and his pro- thought process and how he, how he creates some of his art. So it, it leaves his signature. So it's uh, to somebody with a keen eye, they would notice it right away that, oh, this is Brian Brinkman. What is something that you have created for your signature, for specifically your your NFT art, whether it be a color theme or uh, certain uh, linear patterns or or something like that? And and what kind of inspires you to keep that theme running throughout your art?
2: Yeah. So yeah, I love Brian, and he he has such a good signature style. Like you know, it's a piece of his immediately. Um, I think, so what I do, so so just to give like the backstory of Scully's, because um, I think kind of how I've, I found it in a different way, where I draw the same thing over and over, but it's in a ton of different styles. So like, it almost, you almost wouldn't know that the same person drew the skulls, unless you looked at the collection. Um, so I did this project, which I'm, you know, maybe uh, not even a third of the way through, which is 666 hand-drawn skulls. And it's kind of my take on generative art. I didn't want to do like a 10K PFP project. So I rolled dice in order to determine the traits of these skulls. So I literally sit there, I roll the dice, I have a big spreadsheet. I have like a property chart that I roll the dice against to determine the different traits, colors, species of the skull, like it could be an ape, a bull, whatever. And that's how I create each individual NFT. And what I actually have experienced is kind of the opposite of what Brian was saying, where every skull, I'm, I'm basically on this mission to draw a skull 666 times and have each one be unique and different and draw it differently, which has been like a really interesting artistic creative uh, experiment in terms of like, yo, how many styles can I really do this with? Um, so it's been really fun because like if you look at the collection on OpenSea, like there's so many different variations and versions of this, this same image over and over again. I think I do tend to subconsciously use a certain color palette and my mark making techniques are certainly like um, very unique to me because I think like people who know my work well could pick it out of a lineup, um, even if it isn't like my signature signature style. But for me, like it's all about um, creating different skulls every time rather than the same one. So that's been kind of like my M.O. with this this project.
1: Yeah, this is a great segue, and, and you did it perfectly because you brought up Scully's, and now it's a great time. I want to dive into the NFT aspect of what you're creating, and you already just talked about how you do it with the, the dice and, and, and rolling it and then determining the traits and the properties from the dice. So can we start, because this is fascinating, really is. One, how'd you decide on 666? Well, I
2: wanted to be conscious of, uh, to be some sort of scarcity to it. So I I wanted there to be like an end to it, because I figured if I didn't, then, you know, like I said, I wanted to create an economy. And so there's some level of scarcity that people know that only 666 will ever be made. And in the era of 10k projects, that's, that's really not a lot, you know, so like it creates a demand for them in a different way, because they're relatively scarce. Also, you know, 666, it's like, in the crypto world, you know, six nine four twenty six 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 three six nine, like all these numbers, like we just have a good time with. So uh, I just thought it made sense with Scully's being six six six. It just made sense to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I figured it was something like that, but I thought it would be. Yeah, it would be smart to, to ask. All right, so so you have six hundred sixty six. Eventually, uh, Scully's. When do you expect to have six hundred and sixty six completely done and out for the community?
2: Um, so right now we're at 175, you know, I make them, I make, I, what I've tried to do with this project is make it, it has to always be fun for me. Like whatever I do now, another freedom that NFTs and DeFi and uh, crypto have given me, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. So like when, when you ask me, when will it be done? I really don't have an answer because it's just like, I make them when inspiration hits I definitely put them out. So I was putting them out in waves of 33, like every three, four weeks in between touring. Like when I had a break from touring, I would make them. Um, And now I've kind of leaned into doing just batches of like five or six on the weekends. And so I kind of like fluctuate between and I do them all like um, I do them as like stealth drops, I call them. So it's only if, like gets announced in my alpha channel and my discord and they get the first nab at it for like 60 seconds. And then I announce it to uh, in the discord channel and then I announce it to Twitter. So I do like these stealth drops. So I just do them when the inspiration hits, you know, like I'm I'm the type of dude who's constantly working on stuff. So I'm always making them. But like, you know, I, I don't have a definitive answer of when they would be wrapped up. I would probably say by like 2023. Like I don't think I'll make it through all 666 by the end of the year, probably. But that also makes them kind of more special because when I release them, it's like, oh shit, he might not put another one out for another week, two weeks, um, or whatever it ends up being. You know.
0: That's pretty fascinating, and I think the rarity uh, can definitely contribute to the to the value of it. Uh, Kind of bragging rights, I guess, if you have a, a Scully. But I want to go, you you talked about your inspiration. Uh, You talked about like when you drop them, you only drop them to, you know, community members that are listening in for the first 60 seconds or so. But I want to talk about your process Uh, from from start to finish. How long does it take to create a Scully? And uh, from my perspective, I'm like a video editor and I do a lot of editing, obviously on audio and things like that. And sometimes I get up, I go, you know, take a walk. I come back, maybe come back the next day, see what it looks like, see what it sounds like. And then I kind of um, maybe make some tweaks uh, here and there. Do you do you do something similar to that? Or, or is it like, you know what, I made it, it's done, that's it, and it's getting released?
2: Yeah, I would say every Scully is different. It's crazy because some of them literally will take like, you know, 15 minutes. Some of them will take like 15 hours. Like it's literally that drastically different. So every single one I approach is a little bit different. And I usually what's cool about the dice is kind of it gives me some sort of foundation like, okay, I know this is going to be a human skull with five colors with horns, you know what I mean? So like, I know the general nature of it, but I have no idea what it's going to look like when I start I try to like leave that a little leave that magic in there a little bit. Um, So you know, everyone's different, just like with video editing, you know, some some videos might require a little bit more love than other ones. Um, some of them are just like organically flow really well. Um, so I guess it's kind of like that. Everyone is a little bit different and it also just depends on like the mood I'm in that day. If I'm like, you know, my profile picture, I was like, I was looking at a lot of Picasso. I was looking at a lot of cubism like over the course of the week. And I think that like was in me and I was like, oh man, let me apply this kind of idea to the Scullies. And like, that's where it took me. Um, where other ones are just like really like more intricate and delicate and careful so they're all very different based on kind of like the timing the mood what's going on in the world what's going on in my life um and i just you know i think the cool thing is because of the blockchain technology you can see when all of these were released and when they were minted and so like i feel like there's a cool parallel to seeing like oh prob was in that mode when when he released this series of them oh that was like you know, the winter of 2022, what was going on? Like, I think about this stuff, like from a historical perspective, when people look back at this shit, they'll be like, Oh, okay. What was going on in January, 2022? Like, Oh man, there was a pandemic was making these kind of skulls then. (laughs) Like I really do think about
1: it from that standpoint, I guess. Yeah. Like it, it, it's like a moment in time, some of them. And honestly I've looked through them there. It's incredible to look at the intricacies and how, You describe them all being completely unique, and they are. I got to ask you, do you use this? Have you used the exact same dice to roll, or is it just random dice that you just find around the place? I got
2: so many dice at the crib, man. (laughs) Like, I have, uh, I went to this like Dungeons and Dragons store that I wandered in one day, and I bought like hundreds of dice from them. So I switch it up. I switch it up between like, I have like maybe four or five pair of dye that i really like vibe with so i kind of rotate
1: between those <laughs> i want to i want to dive a little bit more into the Scully's for sure here and i gotta start with a bunch of wall there's a bunch of them that are bulls is that because of, of chicago uh it, it actually isn't but I, I love the chicago
2: bulls i got season tickets that's my squad i love them to death but no it has nothing to do with that i was just I like the just as like an image. I really dig that the the bull skull. So it was really about that. It was like, "Oh, I could do something really cool with this. I could do something cool with apes, I could do something cool with aliens." What I was thinking initially to do is allow the Scully community to add a new like type of skull to the um to the game at some point. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. But um yeah, the bull wasn't wasn't uh Chicago Bulls reference, but I'll I'll take it.
1: Fair, fair enough. I just thought I, I had to ask there. Also, 175 Scolies out today. How many of those Scolies do you own? Uh, none. They're all they're all in other people's hands. Wow. So that's, that's huge. That's really cool right there. Okay. It's been a really great start to the conversation. I want to continue it, but uh, for the continuation, let's go uh, to co-founder Danny to, to
0: keep it going. Thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, nice, uh, nice segue in there. And uh, prob cause I wanted to ask you, since this is a investing podcast here, you know, you you are sort of new to investing. I think you said twenty twenty. You kind of got into crypto and NFTs. What what crypto projects are you really bullish on? Is it is it kind of the standard like maybe Bitcoin, Ethereum? Or are there other projects that you found that you're that you're very bullish on?
2: Um, so I like Solana. I think my hesitancy with the Sol, like the Soul NFT stuff, is like there just seems to be a lot of scams and derivatives on there. So I just like the quality doesn't speak to me. So I haven't really been investing much uh, time or money into that. But I am fascinated to see where it goes. I think Tezos is awesome, also just in terms of more accessibility for artists to be able to mint their work um without spending an absorbent amount of money on gas fees but i do like there are soul projects that i am fascinated by and i think are very worthwhile so i know that a lot of people are like using that as a starting point before they get onto the ethereum blockchain for me it's all on i i'm not a maximal i don't i don't want to call myself a maxi for anything but like i just i feel like i understand ethereum the best it works for me the best and when i think of longevity to me, I'm the most comfortable investing my time. And I'm just talking about NFTs for right now. Um, so that those, the, I think uh, Ethereum is the place that I'm most comfortable investing in NFTs on. I would say in terms of just investing in crypto, um, again, Ethereum is like mostly where I have, where I lean. Um, Bitcoin as well, of course. Uh, Cardano. Like I kind of like spread my stuff out a lot just to like feel what it's like and to pay attention to these different spaces and then i also like i'm really into places that offer some sort of utility right so like you know i'm really bullish on looks right now um i'm staking my looks and i'm getting i'm yielding like really great wrapped ETH from
1: i don't know if are you guys folks uh michael or danny yeah 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 we okay, uh, cool. our newsletter actually that was out this week uh was titled about looks so Oh shit. Okay. My bad. I mean I should figure I figure that you guys are already know. But I, I
2: like the idea of a platform rewarding participants um for their faith for their use of the platform. Um and I like the idea of being able to stand, make some money off all the exchanges that take place on that platform. So looks is like a cool one that I'm interested in right now, just off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, I just have a quick question for you, Prop Cause, and that's uh you know, if you're going to perform at a venue have you requested from the owner of that venue to be paid in in some sort of cryptocurrency other than US dollars?
2: I have not. I can't wait to though. (laughs) Oh, there (laughs) you go. Just
0: Just show them your wallet and be like, give me ETH, bro.
2: (laughs) Yeah, let me get the barcode. Yeah, no, I just haven't had the opportunity to really at this point, just because shows just start opening up. But I'm sure that that'll happen. And I've been offered to do um, a bunch of metaverse like DJ sets and stuff of that nature that I'm just starting to get comfortable doing again. And I would definitely like totally
1: welcome being paid in crypto for that stuff. That's the way you got to do it for sure. You know, thinking about what you're saying right now when uh, things, I guess, improve a little bit and you're uh, back on the road and performing and uh, even if you're doing it in the metaverse, uh, the opportunity is going to be wild, but it's going to be cool to see the idea that you could be paid in uh, cryptocurrency as opposed to being paid in, let's say, fiat for your time. Absolutely.
2: And I also want to do more things. For, so like, my Scully holders, I mean, a lot of them already are coming to the shows that I'm performing at, but I try to just offer them, you know, a unique experience at the shows and make sure they can get in, get them tickets. But what I'd like to do um, beyond that is create, you know, visuals for the background of the show, where maybe there's some AR animation that has some messages that lead people to like almost like a treasure hunt during the show. Or just like a po app for the show that then could redeem an NFT at a later time. Uh, actually, I did for Coinbase. Uh, they sponsored Governor's Ball last year, which is like a big, big music festival. Brian Brinkman actually was the one who alerted me to this because he ended up redeeming the NFT at Governor's Ball. So I made an NFT for Coinbase and everyone who went to Governor's Ball was able to redeem that NFT Um, If they were in attendance at the festival, they just scanned a QR code at the like Coinbase booth or whatever. So things like that, where these two things are kind of like merging, I'm interested in. I think PoApps are also a really cool like use mechanism for live shows. You know, we talked about how music NFTs would be one thing. But I think that um, having some like, like, okay, so for example, you buy a ticket to a show as an NFT, after the show, you get airdropped a poster from that show, uh, you know, because your wallet already shows that you bought this ticket. And then maybe next year before that show comes, you have early access to buying tickets because you bought tickets the year before and you log in with your MetaMask and it sees that you you had bought the ticket. You know what I mean? So like there's a lot of different ways that this NFT technology, not just like selling a music video, but using it as um, gated access to music festivals or shows. Uh, I think there's just so much potential in that space that hasn't quite gotten figured out yet but like we're definitely
1: headed there. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so we got a little bit more time here and I want to just quickly touch on a few things here. Let's talk about the different platforms, right? You use OpenSea. Do you have any experience using the other platforms like SuperRare, Nifty Gateway, Foundation? And if you do, what are your thoughts?
2: yeah i you i've sold some stuff on foundation i've sold some stuff on rarible i have yet to release my super rare genesis piece but i'm working on that right now um but i love that platform and i think they're really dope and also like going back to the look stuff they are doing a similar thing where you can earn like rare uh tokens by using their platform rarible actually does the same thing i'm interested i have a piece listed on looks right now but Um, I haven't sold or used that platform very much because it's so new, but I'm interested in it. For me, it's not so much about the platform. It's really about the audience and connecting with the audience and having like a community who's interested in your work. And it's kind of irrelevant what platform you listed on. I mean, Foundation takes a larger cut. Um, OpenSea takes the smallest cut and is more just like user friendly, I would say, um, and accessible. But I think that at the end of the day, the platform is secondary to the artist.
1: For sure, I would uh, echo your sentiments. Talking about forms, talking about art, talking about selling art, you transition or at least evolve during this period of time from making music to art. You're making art. You put something out and you make a sale. What's that feeling like the first time you make a sale of a piece of art that you created?
2: Oh, I mean, it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's addicting. It's beautiful. I mean, here's the thing with me, my collectors are so important to me that the coolest thing about this is that I have built a relationship with hundreds of people that is unique. Like they own a piece of art for me that I know that they cherish and love. And they also bought to a certain degree access to me. Like if any of my collectors hit me up for anything, I respond immediately. Like those are like my fucking family now. So like, that's the other part of it is that like, when someone buys something from me, like it's not just that they're buying a piece of art. They're buying like access to a community that I've curated, uh, that I've spent decades curating, not just in the last year or so. So it's like more than just the piece, it's really like the entire experience of what I'm offering as a human being. And like, you know, I've had collectors hit me up who bought a piece who were really interested in a piece. I've built this relationship where I'm giving them advice on how to sell their NFTs. They start selling NFTs and it all started from them kind of like entering my community. And they so much from other people who are already in my community, who are experienced with this world of technology, who are offering them advice. So it's just like this really cool, like reciprocal. I know I keep using this word, but I, I love like the idea of this ecosystem that is like fueling the collectors who become part of the community who then bring the next generation in and everybody's kind of like winning together. Um, and it's really special, man. And I know that's a long-winded answer to what does it feel like to sell a piece. But for me, it was like, oh, this is just the beginning. I can create this whole community out of this. It's not just one piece. It's like, let me create a bigger project out of this.
1: Yeah, no, I I love that. And I love that you talk about community because that's one of the keys to the whole aspect of what's being created right here in this idea of Web3, NFTs, utility amongst it all. So I think that's kind of beautiful. I'd be remiss to not talk about custom portraits that you do in the Lucy's. Lucy's! Yeah, but before we just go to the Lucy's, I didn't get a chance to ask you and I have to ask you when you look at the Scullys, there's 175 so far. Amazingly, you own none. Do you have <laughs> Do you have one of them that you're like, that's the one I want to own? Like, that's my favorite one so far.
2: The one that I got is my portrait. I haven't uh, released it yet. But <laughs> I just vibe with this guy so hard. And so I don't know. It's, I don't know. I might fear thing where like, There is like a little bit of a sadness that happens when I sell a piece because like I wanted to keep it for myself, but I also use that as the barometer of whether it's valuable enough. You know what I mean? Like whether it's up to my standard. And so if I really want to keep it, which I feel like about every single skull that I've made and every Lucy that I've made, I mean, really every NFT, but Lucy's especially and Scully's especially, like I want to own all of them. And so I feel really good about selling them because I know that this is like something special.
1: That's beautiful. And so let's talk about the Lucy's quickly because the Lucy's are where you can get a a commission. So just describe that and remember that our audience may have no idea what we're talking about. So maybe even if it's long-winded, break it down for anyone that's listening to the podcast.
2: Yeah, so, okay. So first of all, Lucy commissions are cut off. Like I'm not doing them anymore because I'm just doing the Scullies. And really the only way you can win a Lucy's commission is if you're part of the Scullys community, we have like giveaways for them. So the last um, Lucy that I did actually was the bingo winner from like three weeks ago. Our first bingo winner, he got a custom Lucy. So like the only way you can get a Lucy is to be part of the Scullies community. But essentially they're just portraits. I actually do them with my left hand. I'm a right, I'm right handed. And so I do them with my offhand. So they're really like kind of loose and offbeat and a little messy and sloppy. Um, and I just do these portraits of, it started with just my friends. And I realized when I put them out on Twitter, like I got such positive feedback from everyone. I was like, okay, people are really into these loosies that I do. Literally, some of them take me 30, 40 seconds to do like they're really quick. Um, so I just kept running with it. And then people started asking me to do like celebrities. I started painting my favorite, like basketball players and like athletes and whatnot. And so it just kind of became this whole other world. But yeah, the lucy I love the Lucy's and the Lucy's were some of the first NFTs I ever sold. So like they got a special place in my heart.
1: Yeah. The Lucy's are kind of wild. If you have a chance, go to OpenSea. look up the project crypto Lucy's. And check some of them out because you do have quite a—it's quite concoction of uh, celebrities uh, and then sports stars. Gotta ask you while looking at it. I mean, there's a Macho Man one that's hysterical. Oh yeah, the WWF. I <laughs> <laughs> love those ones. Great. Uh, rest in peace, Macho. Okay, you got a Steph Curry and you got a Michael. J- you got Michael Jordan and Who's your favorite basketball player?
2: MJ and actually my boy Nem who's in here I just uh, uh, Nem owns the MJ one probably my favorite one of my favorite pieces I've ever made yeah MJ all day love MJ like w- w- hands down without a doubt my favorite ball player all time
1: all right it makes sense you're from Chicago fair enough I mean <laughs> also, also it's uh, Michael Jordan greatest basketball player ever so it makes sense um, but it's pretty cool story to hear that you do it with your offhand that's pretty unique. You know, what's fucked up,
2: man, is I started doing my left hand, my left weak. And so they like had this cool looseness to them. And then after I made like a hundred of them, my left, I got so good with my left <laughs> that they were like, they were becoming too tight, you know? So I was like, man, I'm gonna have to start like doing, like doing them with my feet or something like that. <laughs> Cause like, they just became like way too, um, like they look, there's no difference between my right hand and my left hand at, at a certain point. But at the beginning, they were really loose. So I just got to get back to the looseness. And now that I'm not using, uh, now that I cut the commissions off for now, uh, I feel like maybe I'll gain some of my looseness back with the left.
1: Before we get you out of here, probably, cause I know Danny has a couple questions, but, but that are quick hitters, but I, I just want to uh, leave my end here with the last question being, what does 2022 uh, look for you since we're in early January still? I mean, in your mind, Uh, How does 2022 look?
2: A lot more collaborations with other artists in the space that I dig. Continuing to grow the Scully. Um, I'm releasing kind of like a sister collection called The Boneyard. And so that'll be happening very soon. Um, And that will also encompass a lot of the music NFT stuff I'm doing. So that's the main thing is just work, like growing Scully's, continuing to build value for my collectors uh, within the Scully's project. And I'm also touring a ton. I just got a schedule yesterday for all the shows we're doing, but I'm going to be playing a lot of shows, a lot of festivals over the country. So be on the road for probably, you know, good, good third of the year, which I will have the schedule up. Once we announce all these shows, I'll have it in my Discord and on my website and all that stuff. So anyone who is interested in like the music end of what I do, who's already part of the art thing, would love to have you come to a show and hang with us.
0: Of course, yeah. Uh, you know, going back to your your profile pic there, uh, it it actually reminds me a little bit of some of the M. C. Escher sketches that, that just kind of came up. But anyway, so are you ready for some uh, some quick hitters here that I got for you? Yeah, let's get it. All right. Uh, number one, what is something that you do in your daily routine that has contributed to your success?
2: Meditate.
0: Do want to elaborate
2: I'll... or are they quick? Are they like one answer questions <laughs> uh, or one word no. answers?
0: I'll, I'll elaborate. How, how long do you meditate and what time of the day do you meditate?
2: Thing in the morning. I usually do like a low yoga slash meditation for if I can, I try to do an hour um sometimes i don't have that much time uh and then i also been really into the like Wim Hof breathing stuff so i try to do like my meditation my yoga my breathing and then i feel like a million bucks for the rest of the day
0: fascinating i love it who is one artist or musician that you would love to collaborate with that you have yet to do so uh
2: fuck rider would be one of them and killer acid would be another one one's an illustrator one's a 3d artist um love both of their their art it's just yeah those dudes those dudes are crazy
0: and who is a dj that you would love to work with oh man shaq
2: diesel (laughs) i feel like i've worked with a lot of my favorite djs in the space i met shaq at uh north coast this year and he was so cool and just so humble and gracious and i feel like it'd be super cool to like I don't don't even need to do a song with him. I just want to be on stage with him for a song. Like that would be a
0: dream come true. And the next question is, uh, what is your dream venue uh, that you have yet to perform at?
2: Oh, man. Um, Where I wanted to play, I really want to play at uh, the Gorge Theater. Where is the Gorge Theater? It's in, uh, God, I think it's in Georgia, Washington. No, it's in Washington, I think. Yeah, that, I've just seen pictures from uh, the Disco Biscuits. They play there every year, and I've always wanted to play at a place like that. I mean, my other one, but I've played this a few times. Is Red, Red Rocks is like my favorite venue to play in the world, hands down. One of the
0: coolest places. Gotcha. Okay, and this next one may be a different play, uh, maybe some a different answer. But uh, what is one city? Uh, w- what was your favorite city that you've that you visited, whether it's a uh, personal or work on tour or something? And what's one city that you uh, have not visited anywhere in the world?
2: Oh man. Okay. Well, I just, can I just give the country, want to go to Japan? Um, That's probably, yeah, that would be cool. Love to go to Tokyo. I'd love to perform over there too. My favorite town that I visited is a place called Pai in Thailand uh, that I'm just like tracked to, but because of the pandemic, I haven't been able to, but that's, international nationally i would say oh my god there's so many places that i love i mean i love new york um i was just in hampton virginia that was a cool vibe uh i love philly i mean there's so many cities i love all these different cities so it's really hard to pick one
0: (laughs) i agree with you there's there's a lot of different cities that are amazing to me and for all different aspects Last question for you, uh, who in your life has inspired you and supported you the most?
2: Man, probably, I'll be honest, she has been with me since I was the brokest, and she always had faith in me, and um, I would say that she's probably my number one inspiration.
0: We'd like to thank Prop Cause and the community for a great conversation. To stay informed of upcoming episodes and receive our insightful weekly newsletter, subscribe at investorly.substack.com. Investorly, empowering you to invest early in yourself.